Hello, everyone. Welcome to the kitchen table. This is our podcast. I'm Iman. My pronouns are they, them. Um, my name is Emily. She, they pronouns. My name is Natalia. She, series. Wow, this is really happening. <laughs> so just a little background, you know, we've been talking about creating a podcast for a long time now, and, you know, I think naturally just the way our conversations go they're very like deep and just very like healing and so we've mm-hmm. been told many times by people to start a podcast <laughs> so here we are um iman you could talk about like the significance of the name kitchen table yeah so um i was actually in my wgs class you know as a wgs major and we're reading this article um called the kitchen table it's about positionality, reflexivity, and research. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, for anyone who's interested, it's by Ellen Cole and Priscilla, some white-ass last name, I don't know. But, um, you know, it was just about, like, our positionality and really kind of the significance of conversations like these, conversations with your community, conversations that are very low stakes but can be very healing, and kind of what that means um, in terms of, like, communities. And so... um, the article is talking a little bit about the kitchen table and, you know, how it can be a site of intersectionality and it can be transformational. And, you know, we decided to name our podcast The Kitchen Table. Um, so, yeah, that's how the name came about. Um, I don't know, growing up, I feel like a lot of important conversations happen around the kitchen table and a lot of, you know, discussions about, like, just personal experiences social issues and stuff came about and us as a trio we are always talking about anything and everything (laughs) um so we could go into our friendship um we're currently juniors at school right now and we met well we met each other at different at parts in our life points in our life yeah. yeah so my um so i've known natalia since high school since freshman year of high school we go to the same we went to the same college readiness program called seo scholars of educational opportunity in the city and you know we were in the same group and stuff and Mm -hmm. then eventually um we realized that we were going to go to the same college so we became roommates and you know (laughs) it's been a long story (laughs) it's been history since but it's so crazy because we never used to speak mm-hmm. in SEO. We were, like, in the same group and everything, and we just knew each other, but we, like, right. never hanged out. Mm-hmm. And now it's crazy because we, like, hang out every single day. Yeah. But, yeah, and then I met Iman <laughs> my senior year of high school, and we both ended up winning this scholarship program called Posse, the Posse Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we both won a full tuition scholarship to the same college and we couldn't room so that's how emily came into the equation mm-hmm. and so that's how we met me and Iman and me and emily and then you know freshman year came around and then we kind of naturally just started hanging out with mm-hmm. one another and yeah. i think yeah we just ended up always having conversations with each other mm-hmm. in very intellectual in-depth way and when the pandemic hit freshman year we still continue that even through zoom and i think it was a very beautiful and wholesome experience and i think the kitchen table is just a place where you sit down and enjoy your meal with your family and I think you guys are my family, and we usually just sit down and talk about it. Anyway, so <laughs> might as well make a podcast and make some money. 
Hopefully we make some money. <laughs> yeah, we all, all three of us, we lived in the same residence building freshman year. Mm-hmm. So me and Natalia were roommates, but then also Iman lived like a couple floors down. I was so, basically the third roommate. Yes, basically. Iman was the third roommate. And, you know, we just all kind of came together at some mm-hmm. at various points in the day. And, you know, we'll just talk about like our first moments in college, like what it was to be like first gen, especially on topics like imposter syndrome, feeling mm-hmm. out of place, you know, getting uh, used to our new environment. And we created a beautiful friendship out of that, and we continue to do that mm-hmm. to this day. Yeah. And I think something that, like, I just vividly remember is, like, our little unpacking sessions. <laughs> and so, like, I feel like we literally introduced that term to, like, our... <laughs> extended friend group <laughs> because we would just have like you know these like weekly sessions where we'd be like in an Italian in Natalia and Emily's room like literally sitting on the floor and just like you know unpacking our day and you know these conversations first started off with like um like about school but then it transcended into something bigger like our identities like how you know you know how we're all e- like an extension of each other really mm-hmm. and it they just got very vulnerable and intimate, which is really beautiful. I think it was really important for us. I think, you know, I'm a firm believer in, like, the universe is going to place people in your life at Mm -hmm. that exact moment when you need to. So I think we found each other in a way where we needed that community Mm -hmm. and heal as a community within this new, you know, very scary um, chapter Mm -hmm. in our life, like going to college and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we became a community and we helped, grow with each other heal with one another and stuff and hold space for one another Mm -hmm. as we continue to go on to different chapters in our life i just love that term holding space for someone yes holding space for someone beautiful right no i think um i think we just also are both not both all three of us what the hell am i saying but i think all three of us have so much to offer Mm -hmm. and add to the table literally i think there's so many perspective of just queer perspective straight (laughs) non-binary um femme androgynous i think there's just so much to offer and it gives a holistic perspective of different perspectives or accounts of Mm -hmm. college students yeah and um i hope that Regardless of what happens, people can relate to it, whether it's just one of us or just all of our experiences and take a little bit from it and then also just feel safe and understanding and welcomed and, you know, yeah. enjoying the space that we created. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. In one of our classes, we're talking about this term called like transnational or like transnationalism and how that like is, you know, connected to diaspora and like, you know, building community across borders and I feel like this friendship like even though we're all um I think all of us come from different identities different cultures Mm -hmm. and I you know I've talked a lot about community and I told y'all I don't really have a lot of you know Arab Moroccan friends but like it's so it's so beautiful because I think I we've definitely, like, our cultures have immersed, Mm -hmm. and I've, like, gotten to experience your culture, and you guys have gotten to experience mine, and it's really made me feel like, you know, we're not just living singular singular lives in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all living in harmony and connected to one another. Yeah, but I think that's also what makes our community stronger, because we're not all the same, and I think that also makes us more open-minded to the different experiences that people have, Um, the different family structures that people have Mm -hmm. um, and just more inclusive in that in that case too but I'm I think 
the public would be very interested to know um, what are you guys majoring in, your identity, your mm. sexuality, um, because they're only hearing us. They can't see us. So yes. I think maybe we should go in depth. I can start. Um, I am queer. I am, I've been socialized as a woman, but I identify as non-binary. I am androgynous, also for the most part femme presenting, um, still tapping into like parts of my masculinity. I do identify as trans. I'm also Moroccan and, you know, a first gen student. I'm Muslim, so those are kind of just my identities. And I'm majoring in women and gender and sexuality studies, so I feel like that's pretty expected because all I talk about is queerness <laughs> and gender and, you know, abolishing the binary. <laughs> we love that. Oh. Um, my name is Natalia, and I go by the She Series. I'm cishead, straight, and it's a joke within our group. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I identify as first-generation Dominican, uh, I'm come from the South Bronx, New York, Gripao, best borough alive, truly. Um, I'm currently an econ major with anthropology and sociology, which I think is interesting within itself because I still don't even fully know what I want to do with my life. Um, and yeah, I'm just someone who's just trying to navigate life, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a woman, femme presenting, and... Yeah, just a college student trying to survive. Oh, I felt that. <laughs> um, my name is Emily again. She, they, um, pronouns. Um, studying anthropology, sociology. I don't know what minor I want to do yet, but we'll figure that out when the time comes. I'm first-gen Dominican-American. I'm a white Dominican. At that, mostly identified with being Caribbean, just because... I don't know, like, we can go into, like, a different episode of, like, yeah. identity labels and stuff. That's mm -hmm. a whole different conversation. But, yeah, um, I'm queer, um, non-binary as well, mainly with my energy and stuff. But I'm very much the person, like, I don't really have a label at the end of the day. Like, I'm just living my life, and that's <laughs> it. Um, and, yeah, I'm femme presenting as well. But, you know, we like to switch it up sometimes. It's a little bit mask some days, androgyny other days and shit. Um what else um yeah i live in brooklyn new york born and raised there and i've traveled back and forth to the dr and stuff so i can heavenly call that as another home for me mm -hmm. but yeah that's me that's us that's us the trio <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um what are some of our goals for this podcast like what are some manifest manifestations that we want to put out into the universe right now for this yeah. new you know, hobby and little adventure for us? I think um, me and Emily made a little <laughs> <laughs> snippet of our manifestations to test out the mic, but we kind of just said, or at least I said, I wanted this podcast to be very relatable. I think there's a current, there's currently, there's always going to be um, college students in the world, mm -hmm. and I think college is hard, especially when you go away, mm -hmm. um, and it's a different experience for everyone. Some people enjoy it, some people don't, um, but I think one thing that I've learned a lot from college is community, and the people mm -hmm. I've met, and um, 
the different perspective of people that I've met as well and just the diversity and sometimes the lack of diversity mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> we go to a PWI, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think one thing I would love to make this podcast, of um, you know, is relatable, relatable yeah. to anyone, mm-hmm. um, whether it's in another college, which whether it's in our own college, whether it's in another country, you know, the college experience and making sure that, you know, people can relate to us, whether it's a specific person in this mm-hmm. podcast or a guest or mm-hmm. just the group in general. And mm-hmm. I think um, I would want people to know that people are going through the same experiences and it's okay. Um, and having that virtual community yes. with other people mm-hmm. would be my goal. But that, I think that's my main goal. And then also, you know, we become popular, you know? And not that we're not popular, guys. It's not that. But it's like we become famous out of it. I mean, not like, you know, not like Beyonce's level, of course. But uh-huh. I would love for people to be like, I heard your podcast and I enjoyed it. And no, having yeah. actual listeners, I think this is mm-hmm. cute. This is amazing for us. And mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear it back 20 years from now. But I would mm-hmm. also love people to hear it for themselves mm-hmm. because... Yeah. I feel like in this space, we're doing the work. And mm-hmm. whether people want to do the work on their own time, that's up to them. But I would love people to hear what it's like to, to do, do the, the work, work. Mm-hmm. so that they can implement it in their own friendships or in mm-hmm. their own spaces. Yeah. So yeah, those are my goals and manifestations. I think for me, I really like, this is mainly for us. And I, mm-hmm. I keep reminding myself that like this podcast is really just an extension of like, the conversations that we already have like there's no performance going on there's no script like literally Mm -hmm. this is just us like raw and real and I've also seen like that there is no guidebook to really navigating Mm -hmm. these institutions and often it can be so jarring for like first gen individuals queer individuals people of color like for marginalized people to navigate institutions like these and ultimately like I just want to provide an extension of the community Mm -hmm. that I already have because I didn't have this community in high school, you know? And I think we can also get into that, like how we each define community because I really want to talk about that. But, um, yeah. No, I agree with both of you guys. Um, I think this podcast can be not only a great way to document our friendship, like, again, Mm -hmm. like what Iman was saying, this is us, like, this is no performance shit. Like, we just have some talking points and that's it. But we be ranting, we be talking for hours and hours at a time. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be beautiful for us to share our friendship, but also just to, again, have that community, build more community amongst other people within the space. Because I know I've healed a lot with, like, just regular conversations with you guys conversations um with other folks as well so i want other people to heal with us i want mm-hmm. other people to grow with us as well yeah. and i think also i don't hurt like you know i'm walking down the quad or whatever <laughs> and somebody's like yo i heard your last episode like it was mad good <laughs> i'll be like mm-hmm, me and my bitches did that <laughs> so I, you know maybe uh, but again like it's spreading that community like yeah. making other, like allowing people in our space and i think Again, not to brag or whatever, but I feel like we're three very emotionally intelligent people mm-hmm. and we have a lot of great conversations and mm-hmm. our dynamic is very rich because of that. So, I, you know, some people need to become emotionally intelligent <laughs> and maybe they can learn a thing or two. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and no, not, yeah, and not to say that we're the most emotionally no, yeah, 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 intelligent no. people. Bitch, I'm not perfect. Please. We're not perfect either. We've made our own mistakes, oh, but I think... Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, bitch. <laughs> um, but I think in general, I think this is just 
to show us growing as mm-hmm. well with you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 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 I don't know, but Iman brought up a great point. Like what does community um how do we define him? What does community look like for each of us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'll start off. Um I don't know. I think community is a very complex topic. I think for me, it can vary community as being also a space, Mm -hmm. um, but also the people within that community Mm -hmm. or within that space. Um, So I feel like some spaces is my community or is my, Mm -hmm. you know, makes me feel grounded. But then it's also people who make me feel grounded. Mm -hmm. And I think it's people who I feel like I can genuinely be myself. Um, I don't have to act a certain way. I don't have to be a certain way. And I am truly in a space where I feel like I'm constantly learning, mm-hmm. um, appreciated, welcomed, respected, and loved. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's really hard to find that sometimes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was very grateful to find that in college and mm-hmm. also throughout my life, you know. Um, and it's okay to have different communities for different reasons, yes. too. Um yeah. I, th- I don't even know what this community is. I think it's a wholesome, yeah. loving community. Mm-hmm. But then you have, like, for me, I would have, like, an econ community <laughs> or um, a sociology community mm-hmm. or just, you know, mm-hmm. a community of just anything, really. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. my version. I think mm-hmm. it could be a space or people. Yeah. No. I agree. Um, okay, so for community, community for me, I never really thought of community until I came to college. Um I feel as though, you know, I've learned a lot how the communities that I was in Mm -hmm. or still continue to be can be very toxic, Mm -hmm. it can be very harmful. So I'm glad that within the new communities that I'm in now, I'm learning about that, like learning to, you know, see like even in a place where you feel like you should belong, you don't necessarily belong in. But yeah. No, that's real. But, um, <laughs> that's a different episode. <laughs> that's a different episode. But um, community for me really feels as, like, yeah, to add on to Natalia, like what she was saying, how where I feel like I can be my genuine self, where I feel I am growing with the people around me, where they are helping me grow, where we are healing, where we're being our authentic selves, where, yeah. you know, there's no filter in a way, where we can be honest. Mm-hmm. Community for me especially is where... I feel like I can be held accountable. Mm. I can hold others accountable and stuff. Yeah. And there's no, like, attack on... There's no feeling of attack in that community. Because, again, like, what were we saying? There's some a lot, there's a lot of tox- toxicity that can happen within certain spaces. But, yeah, community for me is, like, enjoying my time mm-hmm. in that space and with the people in it. Mm, I, I you, you definitely dropped some gems. Both of you guys did. I think first thing that I want to touch on that Emily stated, um, kind of when they said that, like, you know, community, having community can mean that you are held accountable, but it doesn't have to be in a way where, like, harm is perpetuated. Because mm-hmm. I feel like often we tend to mistake an accountability for shaming people and for just, like, perpetuating even more harm. Mm-hmm. But... But also, an important part of community is accountability, because Mm -hmm. I've been a part of communities where there was no accountability, Mm -hmm. and that's just not it. It's Mm -hmm. it's not. Um, And I think, also, being someone who's queer-identifying, I've always thought of community in the familial sense, Mm -hmm. in, like, a structure of, like, family, your mom, your dad, your sisters, your brother, et cetera, et cetera. And I think this space has been incredibly transformational, because I realized that, like, 
I can find community outside of my family, especially when Mm -hmm. family isn't so accepting. And like, Mm -hmm. we will definitely be touching upon that because another episode, (laughs) family trauma, family trauma is real, y'all. It's real. Um, Mm -hmm. So if there are any people who are, you know, listening or listening in the future, (laughs) and y'all are just struggling with the family trauma, we hear you. We see you. Yeah, we really do see you. No, really. Mm -hmm. All of us. (laughs) And also, I think community is like just feeling seen you know um i don't know about you but sometimes i felt like growing up especially my teenage years i felt like damn am i really going through this shit all by myself Mm. but again like finding that community you're like okay i'm not by myself like i can be in community with someone else and we can help each other like deal with that trauma or deal with that you know difficult experience etc i felt that definitely Mm -hmm. i don't know i felt like senior year high school like i was Mm -hmm. mostly alone and not even like you know, we can also talk about this. The concept <laughs> of being with people and still feeling lonely. Yes. And then the concept of actually physically being alone. Yeah. And I think there's definitely a difference. Um, but I felt like I wasn't communing with people, but I was still lonely. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I wasn't until I definitely did come mm-hmm. to college where I was having more of these reflective questions. I had mm-hmm. people testing me or really making me think. Yeah. And I think... That's what communion is really about. And not to say that in high school I didn't have communion or community. Um, but I think in college mm-hmm. I've met different people who have tested my limits and yes. has really made me reflect my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think you feel challenged in a space. Yeah. And for me, like challenging myself, challenging my perspectives, my beliefs is a way for me to grow. Mm-hmm. And that's when I know like if I'm really fucking with a community or not. But Respectfully. I, I felt that though. I not saying like my past friendships haven't been amazing. Mm-hmm. I just haven't felt like real deep connections, friendships mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. I came to college, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, us as a trio, we were pretty vulnerable, you know? Yeah. We're, we're really real with one another, and, you know, that adds depth for our friendship. Yeah. And it adds depth to our community, the way that we help one another, the way that we, you know, speak mm-hmm. about certain things. So vulnerability is also a big it's aspect a of it. Even though, you know, I'd be struggling with it sometimes. A whole other episode, too. <laughs> I think also just thinking in terms of, like, what it means to navigate a white institution in a mm-hmm. world that's incredibly violent. Like, many, many, many great writers, thinkers, theorists have, like, written about how community is used to build momentum in movements yes. and movements and, like, liberation Mm -hmm. like I I think that like and I've really seen how like because of community like the work that I'm doing internally Mm -hmm. and the ways I'm connecting with other people Mm -hmm. can really kind of like exist Mm -hmm. simultaneously and Mm -hmm. like be so transformational Mm -hmm. I think like relationships that you have with people the way you connect to people is liberatory it's like it's food for your soul it's like it's magic bell hooks would be very proud (laughs) literally (laughs) this is theory y'all this is also (laughs) another thing too i think i again like you know we come from public education all of us and we we a lot of at least a lot of the education a lot of the readings and material that i've come across with in in college have been very revolutionary for me mm-hmm. and I just once I was reading about theory and I'm like but wait like I've been doing this you know I've been having conversations like that yeah. and I think us again like as a trio we talk about theory 
almost every fucking day like unintentionally our, unintentionally too but again like bell hooks dairy as a liberatory practice by bell hooks go read that y'all um <laughs> make sure y'all be reading um but yes yeah, um they're talking about how like our everyday experiences is theory and mm-hmm. that should be validated and again like being a pwi being mm-hmm. in a private education we need to value like these everyday encounters mm-hmm. as revolutionary as healing yeah. Because it's not all about what's, you know, what the white man gives us in text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're also doing the work. Yeah. I feel like we should put that in the description of this fucking podcast. Wow. So that was such revolutionary, a <laughs> Revolutionary, <laughs> liberatory <laughs> podcast for the mind and the soul. Yes. Food for the soul. Food for the soul, uh, yes. Food for the soul. Mm-hmm. Theory yeah. happens outside of academia. Yes. Yes. Time because yes, yes. it's not these, like, white academics that are theorizing. It's people who mm-hmm. are in, like, black women, queer people, mm-hmm. black trans people, mm-hmm. you know, yes. these marginalized identities. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that are theorizing. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's... And the ones who will be really talking about as well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, again, like, this podcast is just really... You know, we're going to be, like, vulnerable. We're going to be talking about aspects of our life. Mm -hmm. But, again, like, we've grown in a way where, you know, I feel like sharing those parts of me Mm -hmm. is can... I'm up to the point where it will help other people grow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm all for, like, growing in community, healing Mm -hmm. in community. So I think that's what this podcast can also do as well. Yeah. Heal the mind, the body, and the soul. No, yeah, we went to yoga Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) And all of us. Yes, all three of us. And I was sweating a little bit. <laughs> True. What was her name? Yo, that's crazy. But she's, I fuck with her, though. She mad no, cool. Yeah, she, she mad cool. She was talking a little bit too much for me. Yeah. But, you know, I need that, though. I need I, the descriptions with the poses, the yeah. yoga poses. Because I was like, what do you mean, Cobra? Like, flying <laughs> Cobra? What the fuck is that? I want her, us to make her a uh, fucking playlist. Because the music she was playing in the background had to go. She killed me. Nobody though. What was it? Was it like some instrumental pop? No. I liked it. It was that white people music. That's what the fuck <laughs> oh it was. My God. <laughs> no, but it just wasn't giving me real yoga though. Yeah. You know what I mean? I needed the like type of fucking music. <laughs> or at least like some like instrumental, you know? Or some like rainwater stuff. Ooh, yeah, that's Bro, awesome. that should be putting me to sleep. <laughs> Honestly, I recommend for everyone to go to fucking yoga because yes. Ma went the weekend before, not the weekend, the week before. Yeah. And let me tell y'all, y'all, <laughs> if you be kind to the world and the universe, the mm-hmm. universe will reward you back. Yes. Because I swear to you, I went to yoga. That was my first time. And a girl doesn't love to huff and puff, but I went. And let me tell you, I just felt like. All my problems were gone. Yeah. I was released of mm-hmm. my traumas, my past. Like, everything was blank in there. And right after I got, got out the class, my class got canceled for the next day. I had no homework. And Augustus was chilling. And I think that was the mm-hmm. universe rewarding me for being grounded within the universe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend. The to. universe gifts you when you gift yourself. Mm. Yes. You return to the universe and the universe returns back in tenfold, like, for real. No, tenfold. Yeah. Because yeah. that class that got canceled is fucking hard, too. <laughs> no. I needed a break. <laughs> no, it's hard. Shit, bro, it's hard being college students. We are in our junior year, spring semester, yeah. and some may say, like, this is the most academically challenging semester for us. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I agree with them. You think so? I think think so just because of how 
first of all, our position, like with the whole pandemic, like mm-hmm. being in and out of classrooms, being in and out of in person. Yeah. I feel like I'm really having like another real semester. Mm. Yeah. Like this hasn't happened since like freshman year for me. And that's something we can talk about. Like the way that the pandemic has literally mm-hmm. kind of shifted the way we learn, the way we mm-hmm. absorb knowledge, because we, we haven't done this in a minute. Like we mm-hmm. really only experienced one real semester of college. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah. So it's been crazy out here, yeah. It really has. I feel like yes, the semester is hard. And maybe I'm you know I'm not trying to jinx it. <laughs> Knock on way. <laughs> But I feel like being a student already for two years, mm. I have felt like my freshman year couldn't handle what I'm doing now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like I have learned, and I don't think I'm a pro yet, but I am learning to finesse college, finesse my studying habits, finesse the way I navigate mm. college, finesse the resources mm-hmm. of my college. And I don't feel like this has probably been not the hardest, because I'm taking hard-ass classes, 300 yeah. level. But I think it's been calmer for me. And mm. I don't know if I have entered a different headspace to navigate college, but I feel like definitely different. Mm-hmm. But doesn't remind me of freshman year. I feel like freshman year I was more anxious. I was mm-hmm. more yeah um, scared. I was mm. more challenged. And mm-hmm. not in a bad way, but I feel like I always was doing something, always in the test. But I yeah. feel like now I'm just calmer, and I'm mm-hmm. just trying to go with the more flow. Well, um, well prepared. I yeah. think yeah. so. Yeah. No, yeah. I think when I mentioned that, I meant like us not necess- necessarily not being prepared or like, you know, mm-hmm. but it's hard. I think also this can be a, a very tricky, very confusing time period because we're heading into our senior year. You know, yeah. like the next chapter of our life has been slowly creeping in Ooh. and I don't know about y'all, but when I start thinking about my future, I get a little bit anxious. So. No, I be having a panic attack. That no. shit is crazy. <laughs> no, really, though. And, you know, the world is scary. And sometimes education, yeah. being in school, can be a little safety net. Mm-hmm. But it definitely can. Mm. This is hot in here. Are you hot? No, it, <laughs> I'm like sweating. No, I was literally saying, no, I was cold earlier. What are y'all talking about? We, no windows. No like, windows. No, no. No Where sunshine. Is the circulation of air? <laughs> they said no air for you, bitches. No, really, though. But um, what else? Um, what else can we talk about? What do y'all want to do in the future? What's, what's um, life looking for y'all? Or what do you want to do for yourselves? Mm. I, I mean... Let's 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 have the public get to know us more. Okay. Okay. <laughs> of who we are. Um I am so okay. Little backstory about me. I came into college as a psychology major and I took intro to psych and fucking almost failed that shit. <laughs> and I was like, this is not for me. And then so I went into A and S and really lacking because a lot of the work that I really wanted to do was kind of um, related to gender and and sexuality in the Middle East and North Africa because right that's like where I'm from Um, and then eventually I just kind of studied like was taking WGF classes and I was like okay I love queer theory I love studying this this is like Mm -hmm. this feels right it feels aligned with you know my purpose Um, and then somewhere along the way I realized I like talking about pleasure and sex (laughs) <laughs> and healing and we I love that for you <laughs> we'll be talking more about it here <laughs> yes we will be talking about it a lot actually um and you know I did a teaching job where I got to teach a sex ed class and it was like one of the most um like fulfilling things ever mm-hmm. because I was working with 
students of color and I was working mainly with women and non-binary folks of color and I just I loved it and I was like I love teaching Um, maybe not teaching in kind of the traditional sense but teaching and teaching like pleasure and but pleasure as like a tool of like liberation because you know Audre Lorde talks a lot about the erotic and kind Mm -hmm. of how we can all utilize the erotic Mm because the lot erotic is not just about having sexy time with yourself it's really about like um, prioritizing your your joy mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I think that for me like teaching being in community with other queer folks you know kids of color ha- like being able to be a mentor and support them is is um, is yeah. it's joyful to me it brings me joy mm-hmm. so I see myself as an educator or maybe a sex therapist we shall see where mm. life takes me but I do plan on going to graduate school um, but these institutions y'all are so draining like they are so Mm -hmm. like consuming Mm -hmm. it's it's so shitty yeah it's a lot um (laughs) so it's not that you're speaking um i growing up i really thought i wanted to be a lawyer like annalise keaton type of vibe type like i thought i was gonna change the world um and i just still are yeah, 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 yeah. You know, not the same way, though. But <laughs> um, but I really wanted to be a lawyer, and I really wanted to be an immigration lawyer. I had a father who was going through deportation, and I felt like I wanted to, you know, change that and, you know, abolish ICE, all this good stuff. And so I was able to do an internship at a law firm my senior year of high school uh, where I was working. It was a great experience. I even got to see... Harvey Winston in actual court. Not that it's a flex or anything, but just the <laughs> fact that I was in that level of law. I don't know who that is. Girl, that's the whole guy, the rapist and shit from oh. the Me Too movement. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know people's names, sorry. It's okay, he's really irrelevant. Point <laughs> is, um, I really wanted to do law, and then I did the internship, and I just realized it wasn't for me. And so then I came to college as undecided, trying to still figure myself out, and I then decided to take econ and ANS classes and realized, hmm, maybe this is something I could do. I could do this for a minute. I could do this for a while. Um, and econ and ANS really always been in the back of my mind. It's been like, it wasn't hard for me to enter these majors um, at all or these departments. Um, and then I took classes and I truly just did enjoy them. And since then, I've just been finessing my way through college (laughs) and finessing my way through my majors. Um, But, you know, econ has helped me a lot and it has made me more financially literate. Um, And I think that's why I kind of stuck to it, because I'm more intelligent Mm -hmm. compared to my family's spending habit. Um, and I think I'm one thing I'm really appreciative of it. And so since then, I've been working in corporate America. I know before y'all judge. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, (laughs) but I've had, um, some good experience actually in corporate and the money. Let me tell y'all the money is there. (laughs) They really, they really put the money where it belongs. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what's. I don't know if that's gonna be the rest of my life. I don't think so, and I hope not. Um, I think there's so much more in store for me. I don't know if I want. I I feel like I want to go back to school. Mm. I just don't know what I want to study, and I don't know what I want to do. But we'll figure it out. I think that's what life is about. Mm-hmm. So who knows what I'll do after college? But yeah. 
Oh, I've thought about nonprofit. I would love to do like nonprofit. No, you start a nonprofit. I I would love to. I really would. Yeah, because I remember you mentioning that, and I was like, yeah. oh, that would be really, really amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want and to. And then you can hire me and Iman. Yeah, <laughs> employ the poor. <laughs> Uh, I would love to, but I need to figure it out. I need to. I would want to know what type of nonprofit I want to mm-hmm. do, how, what population I want to target, mm-hmm. what I want to even educate and explore. So we'll see. Yeah. But my life is on the loop, clearly. <sighs> Please tell the people how you were a little hustler from since you were a child, because <laughs> I just enjoy hearing those stories. What hustle? What hustle? You know, you selling, I forgot. <laughs> oh. She was in the South Bronx, you I, know, doing the damn thing. Look, y'all, <laughs> when you grow up dirt poor, you do anything. You do anything. And let me tell y'all, I was <laughs> such a hustler that just growing up, my mom, with the EBT card, would buy some oh. yogurts. <laughs> And I would take the yogurt straight out the fridge, and I would sell it back to my family for 50 cents. If they wanted a yogurt, they had to pay me 50 cents for it. And let me tell y'all, my piggy bank was going up and down, but, you know, I was getting my money. I was hustling. And I think, you know, coming from a single-parent household, that's Mm -hmm. always been the mentality. You know, Mm -hmm. there's nothing more to it. Um, And I think that's why I even ended up working at McDonald's during a whole pandemic, just to make some money, because, you know, internships were just canceled Mm -hmm. or just remote. And... Yeah, I think that's what Iman is referring to. But, yeah, if you want to be a hustler, call my line. <laughs> so No, bro, yeah. if you need some resume building, cover letter shit, Natalia is really call, your girl. Call my line. That's why it's I say right Vanessa. Have, it's all right if you haven't done shit. She will pull that shit out of carajo. <laughs> out of someone's ass, bitch. I will pull it out. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm into shit fairy godmother. Yes. But to your expense, though, you yeah. know. I should start touching. Yeah, not free labor over here. For real, for real. Um, I should put this in my LinkedIn. I'm doing a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so some background for me. I don't know. I I think, oh, my God. As a kid, I was, like, everywhere, bro. I wanted to be, like, an artist. At some point, I was watching um, Inked on TLC, and I wanted (laughs) to be a tattoo artist. And I wanted to be a ballerina. I wanted to be a dancer. I wanted mm-hmm. to work in the FBI at some point. And then I figured out how problematic that shit is. And I'm like, fuck no. Um, I watch too much Criminal Minds. Let's just say that. Oh, <laughs> my God. Um, but, yeah, I think, though, um, I have, I'm in anthropology and sociology. And with the experiences that I've had, and especially with, like, internship experience and stuff, I've kind of find myself leaning towards, like, social justice work, education nonprofit sectors and stuff this past summer i was teaching to um poc youth and stuff in the pittsburgh area breakthrough teaching fellowship and i think that experience really taught me that i want to work with people from similar communities as me really make an impact like one-on-one and stuff because i realized how revolutionary that was for me as a kid growing up like being in a program like seo so I want to hold that space for younger people as well. And I just really connected with a lot of the queer students, a lot with the low-income students, other POC students. And I saw myself in them. And I really want to, you know, again, like hold that space for other people and stuff. But I don't know. Your girl's everywhere. I mean, your girl's like into education. I still am not really sure if I want to go straight into grad school. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what I would want to study in grad school if I go right away. So I think that's why I'm a little hesitant about it. I don't know if I want to like probably travel a little bit, do some research abroad and Ooh. stuff. All right. Catch a little flight or whatever. 
Um, I really want to, I don't know, I'm very, I'm very passionate about learning more about my um, cultural background, my ethnic background. So I want to do a couple, um, I want to like study, do research in the Caribbean stuff, especially within like feminist, queer studies in the Caribbean. Um, um, but yeah, I still don't know though. I'm a very anxious person when I start talking about future plans and I think I can change my mind in any second. Felt, <laughs> I felt that. I know, I know we all felt that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer though, like when the universe wants to place me somewhere, I will just let it go ahead and mm-hmm. lead me there. Yeah. So that's where I'm at in my life right now. I want to do something that makes me happy, though. Yeah. Like, it has to be aligned with my passions. I don't care if I'm not making corporate money. I know Natalia got me, though. (laughs) (laughs) I got all of us. No, we be joking with her, her, but we really serious. We're like, girl, (laughs) if it's down, look. I'll watch your kids. Don't play with me. You know I know how to cook and clean. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just give me a floor. Like, nice carpet. Like, I know she'll have, like, that Persian rug. (laughs) 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 I'll sleep on the floor, girl. It's fine. But, no. On a real side, though, like, I'm, I want to do something that I'm very passionate about. I want to mm-hmm. go to work and, like, be happy there mm-hmm. in, a, in that space. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really most important for me. Yeah. yeah. What else do we need? We've been talking for a while. You see we've what we're talking? talking? We've been talking for 40 minutes. <laughs> what else? What else should we tell the public? Oh, we also came from abroad just now. Yes. So. Let's talk about yes. Let's talk yeah. about that. Okay, how did we come about to going abroad? Because, oh my mind you, we still in a fucking global pandemic. <laughs> um, um, so me and Emily, we are technically Hispanic. <laughs> We're both Dominican. Yes. Whatever. First generation yeah. Dominican-American. We grew up speaking Spanish. Yeah, but let's yeah. just say the material hasn't really stuck very stuck. well. <laughs> so even though me and Emily can speak and write and read mm-hmm. Spanish, mm-hmm. it does not mean that we're fluent fluent or proficient, <laughs> yes. to be honest. Yes. I would say we're probably like a good intermediate. Yeah. So point is, me and mm-hmm. trying to take Spanish 102. <laughs> Who did we think we were, to be I honest? Know. <laughs> but they were like, fuck out of here. Right. We saw you took Spanish mm-hmm. in high school. And they school. even pulled up those test scores. Remember the little language yeah. test you had to take? They're like, oh, what was the high score you could get? Like a six something? Something like that. I don't know. I just remember the lady emailing me and was like, why are you trying to do like a 102 course if you got like almost the highest score you could get on the line? I was like, in my Ooh. back of my head, I'm like, my mother took that test for me back at home. Before <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so keep going. Yeah. basically, a short like a smaller mm-hmm. lower class for spanish mm-hmm. however they were like we you need to take like spanish yeah. 211 yeah. and we're like hell no nah. so <laughs> <laughs> we try to finesse like spanish one one like mm-hmm. one 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 right mm-hmm. and then the professor was like you guys know a lot of spanish maybe we should move you up and he then tried to move us to another class Thankfully, the advanced Spanish, which is two one one, was mm-hmm. full. So yeah. he, the only thing he could do was move us up a yeah. level. Mm-hmm. And so this professor who was trying to move mm-hmm. us, I don't even know if we should be name dropping, but um, don't give him his full government. I'll yeah, say yeah, that. yeah. Let's say yeah. Either way, he helps us out and he moves us to another class. And then we're taking the Spanish class. And then he emails us, was like, I don't know if y'all remember me for that one day that I taught y'all. But 
I'm going abroad. I'm doing a whole semester abroad program. Mm-hmm. Are you guys interested? I enjoyed you guys for the one day that I had job, but I think right. y'all would enjoy it. Um, and then me and Emily, we just looked at each other and we were like, "We're going." We're there's going. there's no there's nothing to it. Nothing. We fucked with the professor very heavy. Like yeah. he was super cool, and we were like, "There's." It's in Costa Rica. Like, why not? It's right. a pandemic. When is the next time we're going to be able to get right. to go abroad? Mm-hmm. And we just looked at each other and we were like, we're going. We're going. And just like us, we were like, we're going. Let's see if we can finesse our friends coming with us. Too. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what we did. We yeah. were telling our friends, especially our close friends, too. Yeah. Like, um, specifically Iman and then, like, our guy friends as well. And we were just like, yo, we really going to apply to Costa Rica in the fall. Yeah. No matter what, me and Natalia were going to go. <laughs> yeah. No, we were going to go. No, we were going to go. Because... Bro, it's finessing the white man's money. We're going to travel abroad for free for a whole fucking semester. Mm-hmm. And we most surely did. And then, yeah, we were convincing our friends and stuff. Some took longer than others to convince. Literally. Um, it took a minute, but it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. Yeah, yeah. so it was like six of us. Yeah, six. six our closest friends. Mm-hmm. Literally. Went with us. Who we hope you get to meet throughout yes. the podcast. Yes, yes, yeah. But yeah, I remember when you guys, like, told me about the idea at that point in my college career i was looking to i don't want to be here and interestingly enough tomato 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 (laughs) (laughs) interestingly enough i actually wanted to study abroad that summer but i was not willing to go abroad for a semester for other reasons at the time um and then kind of my previous plans fell through my basically my life was flipped upside down and um, then, you know, Natalia and Emily were like, oh, like this opportunity. And also at that time I had very much kind of like, ex- not extracted myself from the friend group, but I was very much like distant and doing my own thing. And then so like after my life basically was in shambles, um, I needed a lot of support. I reached out and mm-hmm. I was like, hey y'all, like I know I've been MIA, but I need you guys. And, you know, that was, <laughs> we could unpack that, too, to some extent. <laughs> Another episode. <laughs> and really. So that was really um, the start of me rekindling a lot of my friendships with mm-hmm. my friends and really reconnecting with them and um, just being a part of the friend group mm-hmm. that I was. And they brought up Costa Rica, and I was like, I need to leave this place. And I also, I have a lot of rebuilding to do mm-hmm. with the people that I love. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of shit was going on in my life. And so I was like, what better place to do it in Costa Rica? And I feel like leaving Costa Rica has definitely made so many of the friendships that, you know, not were, they didn't fall through. But, you know, they were they were in a shaky place. And so I grew alive. It was amazing. I got to spend more one-on-one time with Natalia. You know, that unfortunately was one of the friendships that I didn't, you know, put as much effort in, but I think it was beautiful because I really got to see how, like, being around the people I love can be healing, and Mm -hmm. and in a place where, like, I didn't know the language, I didn't know the culture, it really forced me to lean onto you guys for support, but also, like, forge my own independence in a way that I hadn't before, because I've only traveled to Morocco, so, Mm -hmm. and I'm Moroccan, so it's not that different, Um, so yeah, it was... And I did it impulsively, and it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a um, it was a great experience. I mean, don't get me wrong; there were definitely a lot of cons <laughs> to the trip. 
let's just say homestay situations are not my favorite no more yeah. when traveling abroad but yeah i think it was also a well-needed break for us as well especially for myself i mean um sophomore year for us was like kind of like the pandemic year where you know we were all online one semester and then the next semester like our campus was slowly bringing back people and stuff so we were here on campus all three of us and some of our closest friends and we were just like in the same space like we really needed like a new like mm-hmm. new environment and we were we found we found the opportunity and we seeked out to it like um we got to like travel to beautiful parts of the country our favorite is definitely the caribbean side puerto viejo limon area um beautiful uh, beautiful people by the way (laughs) um (laughs) great great food we have i saw sunsets that i was like wow this looks like a fucking desktop wallpaper oh literally no and it was very grounding for me i mean don't get me wrong i also went through a difficult time abroad too i think just with you know, let's just say gender was kicking my ass. Um, <laughs> um, but it was a great experience to rewind, like, just take a step back from, you know, the institutions here in America. And, yeah, it was great. I, I think the weekend trips. Were we were, like, on vacation, like, yeah, once a yeah. month. And it was it was, it was great. You know, we were posting on little beach pics and stuff. <laughs> and everybody's, like, in the fucking cold. And I'm like, <laughs> we out here living life. But now we're back in the <laughs> but yeah it was great yeah I, I loved my experience i i would recommend going abroad to mm-hmm. everyone who has the experience yeah. who has the funding or can finesse funding really mm-hmm. um because we all went to costa rica for free yeah nobody yeah. paid yeah um and i really enjoyed it i thought it was a very wholesome intuitive experience mm-hmm. i think it made me feel more in tune with myself and what I want and my purpose in life, I mm-hmm. feel like. Um, and it also made me more open-minded. Mm. And I already thought I was an open-minded person. <laughs> but that shit kicked me over there. And I, it was really having to be open-minded with the fact that you're not home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not with your family. Mm-hmm. And you really have to do things for yourself and mm-hmm. be open to everyone who comes right. in and out of your life in Costa Rica. Yeah. And I don't know, it made me more open to traveling mm-hmm. yeah. um, anywhere with the drop of a hat. Yeah. And before I would be like, yeah, I want to travel. I want to do this mm-hmm. and that. But I was so consumed with where I was traveling, mm-hmm. with who I was traveling, and then also with what I was traveling with. Yeah. But I felt like in Costa Rica, oh, we're going to the Caribbean side? Let's go. Like, yeah. I was ready. And I think that has also... Um, like, made a lot of impact mm-hmm. in the decisions I've made when I came straight back to the States mm-hmm. and being so open to traveling any other yeah. state or mm-hmm. living anywhere else than New York. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm telling you, I'm diehard Bronx for life. Like, I thought I'm gonna be born, raised, and die in the fucking Bronx. <laughs> Let me tell y'all. But I feel like going to Costa Rica and also my other broad experiences. Um, have made me realize there's so much more than the Bronx. Mm-hmm. There's so much more in life. Mm-hmm. And life is just so short. And to experience that is very beautiful. And with people that you enjoy mm-hmm. is very beautiful. No, yeah. And that was really, like, my yeah. first trip going with people, like, who are yeah. very close friends of me. Because mm-hmm. I've traveled before, you know, DR. I've traveled to West Africa for a community program, for a service community. Um, but... It was, like, really the first time where, like, wow, I feel like I'm in my youth right now. And yeah. I'm just getting to know, like, 
different places, different people, different food, mm-hmm. and it was a great experience for us. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's really scary, especially as femme people, to be yeah. in a country like that. Yeah. I remember our one of our first nights, you know, the sun was setting, and me and Iman were in the same homestay, and then Natalia was, like, a couple blocks away from us. We were all in the same neighborhood. And then we were like, oh, let's go on a night walk. No, bro, like, you that shit. You can't do that. You can't. You can't. They, could, they knew we were foreigners. They knew we were Americans, and let's just say chance of robbery was very high for us so it was scary but when the opportunities we did have to like go out like oh my god when i tell you y'all like puerto viejo nights like walking around Mm -hmm. that drum parade that was going on it was beautiful it was beautiful and i was like wow i'm like here with people that i genuinely love being with and i'm just like in this experience (laughs) with others i'm like i love this yeah i also think though respectfully it has taught me a lot about race outside of the U.S., mm-hmm. a lot. And how, like, the city was so white, the yeah. city of Costa Rica, like, yeah. the city mm-hmm. was white. Mm-hmm. But then when we went to the Caribbean side, which was, like, what, five hours, six mm-hmm. hours away, mm-hmm. it was, like, all people of color, all black folks yeah. was there. And it also just taught me about segregation outside of the U.S. Yeah. And just different experiences mm-hmm. that is an American and really opened my eyes yeah. to that mm-hmm. Um but I would also recommend going to Panama because we went to Panama <gasps> oh, yes. to renew our student visa and I truly loved Panama. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I should put that in my bio. Want to be Panamanian. <laughs> like, that's how much I really enjoy Ooh, food, Panama. beautiful people, beautiful oh woman God. out there, yeah. y'all. Hey. Uh, we were up in there in the club. Nah, we was <laughs> fucking breaking it down <laughs> in the yeah, fucking club, yeah. Every club we went to. Yes, yes, The yes. people got a show. No, yeah. I, yeah, I think going abroad, especially to Costa Rica, I don't know, I feel as though, you know, before I went abroad, I was like, okay, so another, like, Latin country, you know, speak Spanish and stuff. But it made me realize, like, wow, like, it's really different mm-hmm. across all fucking countries. Like, even though you can be geographically the same type of group is so different and i that's why i prefer the caribbean side because it just reminded me more of like going back home to dr and stuff i felt more comfortable but yeah it just reminded me like even within the identity groups that you can relate to it's not the same which is so interesting because i feel like when people talk about like Latin America, Mm -hmm. it seems like, especially in the context of academia, Mm -hmm. like, it's grouped as such a homogenous area, especially, like... I was talking about that in my class. That's Mm. crazy. And do you think, like, as, you know, people who are Dominican or identify as Dominican, Mm -hmm. do you think that you would identify more as Latin American or Caribbean? And, like, if Mm. so, what do you think are the cultural differences? Yeah. That is true. Shit. I consider myself Caribbean. I consider myself Caribbean, too. I think... Food, food, food yeah. wise, I think the Caribbean just has a specific palate. Like the way our African ancestry has was more like embedded in mm-hmm. the Caribbean area. Mm-hmm. I think is very different from like other parts of Latin America. Mm-hmm. But also, I think like music too. I, yeah. you know, the food and music is such vital parts of my cultural identity. Mm-hmm. And I think food and music are very 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 singular not singular what can i say like it's very similar throughout the caribbean and Uh very different outside of the caribbean Uh and of course i love myself like you know some cumbia whatever and all that but it's just it was just not the same and that's why i heavenly identify as a caribbean 
Yeah, me too. I also think geographically, mm-hmm. where the Dominican Republic is placed, mm-hmm. um, leads me to say that. Mm-hmm. I feel like if it was connected to the the physical continent, so like mm-hmm. Brazil or like mm-hmm. just that part of yeah. the country, not even country, the continent, mm-hmm. um, I felt like maybe I would probably say Latin America, but I don't fully yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it took me also to go to Costa Rica. Yeah, to realize that. And to realize that because mm-hmm. I felt like before the trip, I would have been like, yeah, I'm Latin American yeah. and I'm Caribbean. I would have said all names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think now I'm more selective of what I go by yes. and how I identify mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. How was it for you, though, Iman, like, not being from a Latin, Latina background, like, not knowing Spanish like that? Because that was, I could just imagine, like, I had my own cultural shocks in Costa Rica. Mm. I could just imagine for folks who weren't coming from similar backgrounds. I think it was was definitely (laughs) an experience, and it was difficult, like, I'm not even going to lie. I think I talked to Emily about this, and Natalia, too, a lot. It was very hard because there were, like, I identify as Muslim, and there were definitely some, like, various mm-hmm. Islamophobic comments made by mm-hmm. certain people, but also kind of, um, but then also at the same time, this um, welcomeness, because I was also seen as, like, oh, like, because I think we've also talked about a lot about how, like, um, North African cultures are mm-hmm. so similar yes. to, um, you know, Caribbean, like, culture. Caribbean cultures, yeah. because... I think the context of where Morocco is located mm-hmm. is also so, like, mm-hmm. interesting. Like, Morocco is grouped with the Middle East, but mm-hmm. um, it has a lot of African ancestry. Mm-hmm. And geographically, Morocco is placed in Africa, so mm-hmm. I do identify as African. Um, and so I think it was really interesting to kind of conceptualize that because I feel like that also kind of informed how I feel like it would be for me travel- traveling mm-hmm. to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it would be a very different experience for me to travel to the Middle East versus travel in Africa Mm -hmm. because although cultures have some similarity, like, the root of my culture has a lot of African ancestry. And this actually connects to what I was going to ask y'all for the next question is, like, do you guys identify as Latinx? Or, Mm -hmm. like, do you feel like that's still a fitting term? But (laughs) we can get into that. But, yeah, it was just, it was very hard. I feel like um, it's so interesting because I feel like when people perceive you in a different place, like, they're trying to figure out they have also assumptions uh, mm-hmm. about where you're from. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I feel like when I said Muslim, people would, like, something would instantly click, and then yeah. there's this connotation mm-hmm. of where I'm from. Mm-hmm. But then when I'd say Moroccan, like, there is less of a connotation mm-hmm. because there there are more cultural assumptions associated with being Muslim. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. essentially really just Islamophobia and, like, mm-hmm. treating, um, you know... Arab folks, even mm-hmm. though I don't identify really as Arab, I identify as African more, mm-hmm. um, as like a homogenous group. Yeah. Um, but y'all, I really had to speak Spanish. I had to pull that shit out of my ass. No, bro, they were doing a good job. <laughs> no, you did really good. No, you... like, Imam was going into places bargaining type shit. <laughs> no, for no, 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 more than us. No, they'd be like, no, um, what was it? Colones, right? They'd yeah. be like, you know, boy, paga more. Maste, something, something, colones. I was like, yeah, yeah. Tell them. Yeah, tell them. Tell them. All right, mom, be like, aquí, aquí. Me gusta, me gusta. And it would be so funny, but like, I will say though, Iman had no fucking service the entire trip. <laughs> yeah. Because they refused to set up their SIM card, but somehow still managed. Still, still managed. Still managed to like, yeah. I don't know how. Still managed. Yeah, I was still going on dates. I was still going out. And I think also, 
being in a new country really really just showed me that I can really move mm-hmm. like I could pack my shit and go yeah. and I could survive and mm, someone yeah. who comes from like a very homophobic household that's been constantly yeah. moving over my mm-hmm. head and I've talked mm-hmm. about this to my close friends is like you know I really need to book it after college and mm-hmm. that's been so scary because mm-hmm. I feel like just moving mm-hmm. is, is very hard like mm-hmm. re- relocating yourself relocating mm-hmm. without community mm-hmm. and I think Costa Rica showed me that I do have the resilience to do that I can survive yeah. Yeah. of course um, there were many caveats that, like, there were nights where Natalia and Emily were th- with me at the hospital. You know, a bitch got stomach problems. So I literally <laughs> experienced it all. We had private health insurance, y'all. <laughs> it oh came through, though. <laughs> uh, no, y'all. Private health. Let's talk. That's that clinic, though. Healthcare system. <laughs> yes. Social <laughs> versus here. Because we felt like we were in the cast of Grey's Anatomy. Like, me no, and really Emily no. were in that hospital, and we made a TikTok, and it was so hilarious. Material girl. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a very it was hard, mm-hmm. um, and it definitely also like got me closer to another person in um, our friend group who's brown, um, and you know she's um, Indo Caribbean, and so it was really like all we bonded over like having kind of similar identities, mm-hmm. but also our identities were so complex in the sense that like. You can it can't be confined. Right. Like, you know, I, I identify like my culture. I can be associated with being Arab or the Middle East, but ultimately I do identify mm-hmm. more as African. Mm-hmm. And so it was just it really fleshed out a lot of complicated mm-hmm. identity mm-hmm. stuff for me. But yeah, I really really want to hear the answer to that question because I was just thinking of that while. Oh, the Latin X one. Yeah, I think that's such a good question. No, it is, and you know what's crazy? I was that thinking about. I think about this all. Okay. I, if you know me, I shit on Latinidad a lot. Like, I'm just coming into a lot of, like, um, knowledge, like, a lot of work by black Caribbean scholars, black um, Latine people, and, you know, really challenging this structure of Latinidad, and, you know, that also comes along with its identity and shit. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, I feel... Like, as I'm reading more into it, and I think it's um, firm believer in, like, two things can coexist at once. Like, I can heavily agree that um, I relate to the Latina experience to a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. but I can also acknowledge, like, it has harmed a lot of people, and I have a a lot of privilege to Mm -hmm. identify as that. And then there's a whole, like, different conversation of how, like, Latina, like, racialization within the U.S. and outside of the U.S. and stuff. But I think in this moment in time, I feel more comfortable identifying as Caribbean, like as a first-gen Dominican-American Caribbean person more than a Latina person, per Mm. se. Because, again, like Costa Rica made me realize, like, there's so much. It's just not the same. Like, it's not the same. And I feel like a lot of the similarities that we can have coming from, like, as a region um, is brought with, like, you know, just the way that we grew up, like, um, cultural, like, similarities, but in terms of just what feels most at home is Caribbean. But also the fact that, like, a lot of your Caribbean culture has its roots in the African diaspora, Mm. and that is so, Mm -hmm. that I did not see that in, Mm -hmm. like, the city of Costa Rica. Yeah, at all. So I was going to ask you, like, do you think that's a component in why you feel more connected? Not saying that there aren't, like, you know, mm-hmm. black-identifying Latinx people, because yeah. there definitely are. Mm-hmm. But, like, in terms for you, do you feel like that plays a role into, like, kind of 
which label you feel more comfortable with or you identify more with? Yeah, because even though like I am a white Caribbean person, a lot of who, how I was brought up is with heavily influenced by the African ancestry. Yeah. And, you know, um, of course, I hold this privilege and stuff with my white skin, but I want to reclaim certain parts of my ancestry in the best way that I can. And I think me identifying as Caribbean is challenging that, you know, heavily Eurocentric homogeneous identity of like just being a latina person mm-hmm. i think yeah what about you natalia i don't know is it weird <laughs> that i don't know no that's okay we always know. struggling yeah. with identity um i felt like coming to college i had such a strong identity crisis or a huge oh, bitch me too i had the oh, hugest <laughs> identity crisis i'm like am i white am i black can i be biracial am i <laughs> what like what is it um but then i realized like it's so complex having a black yeah. Dominican mother and mm-hmm. then, like, a white mm-hmm. father. Like, a white Dominican father, mm-hmm. to be specific. Um, and even opening to the idea of being this biracial Dominican yeah. child um, in the Dominican context. Um, to be honest, for me, I just, I kind of just go with the flow. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes I'll use like, oh, I'm Latina. Sometimes I'll just say I'm Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll just say Hispanic. Yeah. Um, and I'm very appreciative of being able to even say it. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like I'm saying I'm white. Yeah. Like, or it's like, it's like, it's like saying like, oh, I'm Asian. Knowing damn well I'm not Asian. Like, <laughs> like what I'm trying to say is I fit into these categories, mm-hmm. but it's up to me whether I really truly de- mm-hmm. identify with them. Mm-hmm. So I think at this point in life, I just say whatever, but not in a, it's just mm-hmm. in a way of just like, oh, okay, well, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I am Hispanic. It's not trying to say I'm not. Yeah. But it's just also kind of trying to say like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I truly don't know. Mm-hmm. I do agree, though, going to Costa Rica, I have been more in tune, um, calling myself Caribbean and being more on the Caribbean side and also Mm -hmm. just where my family are geographically located in the Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. Um, And also my mother, like physically, um, being really close and in tie with her um, Mm -hmm. African ancestry as Mm -hmm. well. I mean, it just feels right. Yeah. It feels right. And not that it's never felt right saying Latina either, mm-hmm. but yes. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that. just also seeing the difference between the two and yeah. what it actually means to me has been different yeah. and a different experience. I think I now I don't really, I'm not too selective with my mm-hmm. wording of like, mm-hmm. oh, I am only Caribbean. Yeah. Like, I will never say that. But yeah. I think for me, it's just like, yeah, like I am Latina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am like whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, it's just, you know, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's just a complex topic. I don't know yeah. if I'm there yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of conversations about our identities just because we are such, like, complex, nuanced individuals with our ethnic and racial identities. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why our conversations around this so rich and um, very in-depth. But I think you bring up a good point, like, what identities feel most at home for us? You know, and I think that's kind of where I'm at, too, like... What I'm identifying with is because that's what it really truly feels at right. home for me and like the experiences that I've had growing up and stuff like and again, like I'm not like saying like, oh, yeah, I'm not Latina or whatever. Like, no, no, mm-hmm. you know, I'm saying like what's more selective mm-hmm. in that experience. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I think like especially like in, in the context of like um, my cultural and racial identity, like growing up with like a brown father and a white mother, but also also ask like also asking myself in that same fold, what came before like 
Mm-hmm. You know, because Morocco's colonized by the Spanish, by the French, by the Arabs as well. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're, it's really interesting to kind of like ask yourself like what came before and really yeah. trace that mm-hmm. lineage because I think like also it informs you of like your your ancestry like your yes. your his, like not only the historical experience mm-hmm. of your ancestors but also where your culture comes from and like mm-hmm. why your family looks the way that they do yeah. like um my mother is white because even though like she's a she's white and she's berber which is like another ethnic um category in, in morocco like in the united states she's only seen as like she's seen as arab and mm-hmm. like because she wears a hijab mm-hmm. she's seen as like othered and like a person of color but racially she's white and so i think all these labels are very important to contextualize how we just navigate the world Mm -hmm. and not even to just like label ourselves and box ourselves in but to just understand like because power structures are present Mm -hmm. in the way we navigate the world and it just i think it informs how you can you know provide space take up space um and exist in spaces but something i was going to ask y'all for non um caribbean viewers or people who are listening is like how have you guys seen like you know the african diaspora show up in your culture because i just i love hearing about like y'all cultures it's so beautiful oh my god that's so so crazy Ah. it makes me feel like i'm in class right now (laughs) (laughs) my our english class because it's about black writers Mm, yes yes i mean it shows up in a lot of yeah a lot of ways i think from the food to yeah. even the language. There's so yes, many language. language. Like even mm-hmm. I think my favorite example of it is like in the Dominican culture are famous dishes like mangu. Yeah. Like where does mangu really come from? It's a West African word. West African word. I think it's it comes from like a word called mangunese or something. Yeah. Um and it just goes to show how much it appears and how much influence mm-hmm. there actually is mm-hmm. um in the Dominican Republic. But also look at the people. Yeah. We are predominantly black nation. <laughs> like <laughs> literally. Yes. So it's very interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting position to be in because, especially for me, like, I'm white, mm-hmm. but, like, the way I've grown up is heavily influenced by the African black ancestry yeah. that I, that's in the country and, like, in my family and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's just so, it's so interesting, you know? Yeah. But, again, like, there's a difference between ancestry, race, ethnicity. Shit, even gender. Yes, gender. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it yeah. shows up in so many, so many, so ways. many ways. Everything, so many fucking ways. And I think another topic could even be like the whitening of race. Right. We could have. That's a whole that's a, other. That's episode. another fucking yes. From through Helio to yeah. other dictators and other countries, you how, can like literally the, talk about how it. How Haiti has heavenly like was in is the liberatory reason for the DR. Like, Haiti mm. f- freed the slaves in DR and stuff. So, and how, you know, the country continues to perpetuate that anti-blackness, anti-Haitianism um, and stuff. And that's just a whole different topic. And how, yeah. like, we fit ourselves in that position, but also how it becomes even more complicated because we're not necessarily, we weren't necessarily born in the DR, but, like, we're first <sighs> gen. So crazy. But we still say as, yeah, like, a place of home and stuff. So it just goes. It's a lot. Yeah. But it's I, a lot. I think that could be a, definitely another episode where we're like talking about our African ancestry within yeah. how complicated our ancestries are within our ethnic racial can backgrounds. Can we, for that episode, can we all take the fucking kit and literally oh talk about God. it? Oh my yes. God. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yeah. we can. 
and literally just I hope open, this cares <laughs> open our results in front of our faces and talk about it and reflect. Ah, yes. I just think it would be so interesting to see like the cross cultural, national, global mm-hmm. connections mm-hmm. because I swear to you, there could be a thesis on like Morocco and like DR and across like mm-hmm. cross cultural like yeah. analysis. Mm-hmm. Like literally yeah. because the way in which like culture and diaspora mm-hmm. race operates is just so yeah. so similar. And yeah. it's crazy because they're in completely different parts of the world. Yeah. But also things are not happening happening in isolation. Mm-hmm. Like when enslaved black people mm-hmm. are being moved across yeah. the continent. Like it's mm-hmm. not happening in isolation. It's obviously impacting yeah. different countries mm-hmm. and you know. Yeah. Yeah, we're taking some great classes. Y'all. Yeah. Like <laughs> For real, for real. Um, but I think this is such a great start to our first episode, our the beginning of a new journey of our podcast. The we kitchen tapped into a lot. We you what did I say, y'all? We, we just be talking, chatting. <laughs> we like an hour fucking in. So, but you know, we could go on for hours. Yeah, and hours. No, literally. And it's crazy because um, when we were talking about making this podcast, I totally <laughs> underestimated how long we'd be talking for. Iman is like thirty minutes. I was like, bitch. Me and Tali look at each other like, like, you mean an hour? Oh my god. Don't get me wrong though. Us introducing ourselves took thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. But I think we also just went on different tangents. Yeah. That kind of led up to the Which hour. We have a habit of doing, but always it's all beautiful conversation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I think this is this is it. This was beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us. Some ah, more to come. Yes. And yeah. We hope to see you next week after yes. this. Thank Hopefully. Y'all. And that's a wrap. <laughs>